Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on the Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. Well, good morning, Venture. Man, what a great weekend we are in. And it's still going. Things that happened all weekend long, serve days yesterday, people that are out serving, finishing up today and all the different projects. I want to thank everybody that was a part. I really do. I want to thank everybody that was out at the Rose Garden. Yeah, everybody at Team Challenge. Thank our crews that have been doing things. We're going to celebrate it big time next weekend. We'll come back with some video and other things because we wanted to celebrate those who are serving today as well. But just, just what a great weekend with that. A lot of activity going on around here. I, I do want to emphasize what uh, Charlie talked about. In fact, I, I got my bracelet. Uh, this is representing for our ministry, Living with Hope and Mental Health. This is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I really want to encourage everybody that's part of that ministry or encourage anybody in the church if you struggle with mental health. Uh, as Christians, we are not immune to physical health issues and mental health issues. And the great news we have is that we have a church body that we can walk through these things together in community. And one of the commitments at Venture is uh, we're, we're committed to breaking down some of the stigmas that can get attached to things that people don't have to live under. And so I really would encourage you, whether it's going to the next meeting, we've got one more this year, it'll be a week from Monday, maybe it's going to the meeting, maybe it's just letting somebody know or just realizing you don't walk through this alone. And so as a church community, I know people who are passionate about Jesus Christ, who love him, who practice, practice our practices, they're doing all these things, but they struggle with mental health issues. And they need to know as part of our church community, man, we're here together and we walk through this together. In fact, why don't we take a moment and just stop and pray and uh, lift up this service, lift up all that's going on, but also pray for that ministry and pray for anyone who, who maybe you're sitting here today and you go, yeah, I am struggling more than I like to even admit to myself or anyone else. And I just pray maybe even today the Holy Spirit would speak to you that you would know you're not alone, that God sees you, he knows you, and he cares. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you. I, I just thank you. What a privilege to be a part of this church and all that's going on here, to serve with the, the people in our community, to serve around the world. Lord, I thank you for the way you laid it on the hearts of different people in our church to, to start new ministries and especially the, the ministry of living with hope and mental health. Lord, I thank you for our leaders. I thank you for the participants. I thank you that there's a place, a confidential place to just go meet with people and develop some community. Lord, I, I pray for anybody here. Maybe it's daily anxiety. Maybe there's depression that's really settled in. Maybe it's long-term issues that uh, no matter how much they pray and how much they've sought you, they're struggling. Lord, I, I pray venture would be a place that uh, we know that no matter what we face in life, we don't face it alone. That we have a God who knows and cares. And you've given us a church community where we can do life together. Lord, we pray for this message. I pray that you'd speak through me, especially anytime we talk about generosity or money. Our guard goes up so quickly. And so I, I just pray, speak through your word. Give us a sense of peace as we embrace what you've called us to. And we pray this in Christ's name, amen. 
Well, today we are continuing with the seven practices. And, and just to remind you, we've been looking at this core verse that Jesus said. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we've been looking at what does it mean to walk according to the way? How do I live in his truth? How do I experience the abundant life that Jesus has promised? And how do we do this together as followers of Christ? And so as a church, this is more than just a sermon series. I mean, we're working on, we're looking at tools, we're thinking about technology, we're thinking about all the ways. How can we come together and come alongside you and equip you and help you as we wanna practice the things that we believe Jesus has called us to as followers? And so we've defined it as seven practices. We've been going through it and we went through the, the first five of them. Today, we're gonna focus on generosity. We're gonna look at generosity and, and we're gonna hone in on it because it's important, not only what God's doing in our church, but in our lives. And, and as I told you uh, earlier this year, we did a six week series on the generous life. And, and if you weren't a part of that series or if you've forgotten that series, you might wanna go back and listen to it. The whole series. Uh, in fact, I spent some time even in prepping this. I pulled it all back up, went through all the notes. There are different parts of it. And, and in it, I realized how quickly I can settle and lose the truth of what God's calling us to and the way he stretches us in this area. And so I, I really would challenge you, if you're new to venture, this is one of those ones, go back and listen to the whole thing. And, and I, I don't get any money off of clicks or that. There's not, none of that comes with that. I'm, I'm for our benefit, for your benefit, because I believe this is so important to your spiritual walk as a follower of Jesus. And, and we're not teaching this today because, oh man, we're in some kind of financial crisis and that. You guys have been generous, you're giving. We're teaching it because I believe this category will shape your walk with Christ as much as the other practices. And in fact, it may be the one that's holding people back the most. It may be the one that, that it, it gets so entrenched that it keeps us from really taking the steps as followers of Christ that we need to. In fact, I, I just saw some stats, recent ones, and there was good news in it and bad news. It was just about generosity in our country. And it's talking about charitable giving as a whole. Listen to it. Here's the good news. As a nation, America is the top when it comes to generosity. And Americans are the most generous people on the planet as far as stats out there. So, woo, good news. We'll take that. The three most charitable cities in the U.S. based on giving. What state do you think the three most charitable cities in the U.S. in? They're all, they're all three in one state. It's not California. I'll go ahead and let you know. Montana, I heard. New York. No, New York wouldn't. It's actually Idaho. Oh, yeah, you all, you all kind of perked up. In fact, in, in this city, the average practicing Christians in those Idaho cities gave around $18,000 a year. Yeah, the average in New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, major cities is around 3,300 a year. So it's a pretty big delta with that. Age makes a big difference in giving. Um, of the millennials would say that charitable giving is one of their highest priorities. 84% of millennials gave less than $50 to charity last year. Yeah, and that's not so good. There's some disparity with that one. 
Average church attender gives about 2.5% of their income annually. During the Great Depression, that number was 3.3. So again, this is not great stats in part of it. And, and one of the reasons I think we get so scared of even talking about it, and I recognize some of you, maybe you're visiting today and you're like, great. The first day I show up, that's what they're talking about, money. Some of you kind of this, oh, it confirms, man, this is all churches talk about is money with that and want something out of it. I, hear me, I want something for you, not from you today. And, and I, the more I study this, the more I spend time in it, I think this is one of those categories that will unlock your life like few other ways. And people that have gone on that journey of really embracing what is biblical generosity, they would tell you time and time again, it's one of the most freeing things that happened in my life. And this is what we want for you. And so this is why as a church, it's a core practice. This is why it's not a one-off. We talk about it every so often. It's just a core thing that we're gonna have to call you to and teach on and, and ask you to listen. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you about this more than anything else? As to give an overview, I'm not gonna do the whole six weeks we did again, but if you were new today or just overview, we wanna look at it in two categories. One, why are we giving generously? Why should we give generously? The first thing is we have an example. If we're followers of Jesus, we follow the example of Jesus and we wanna live like Jesus. So he's our example. And there was no one more generous than Jesus. So, so just even at a fundamental level, if I am saying the definition of my life, because this is what we say, how would you define your life? I am a follower of Jesus. What does that mean? I do the things Jesus did. And when we come to this category and I look at Jesus' life and Jesus was radically generous with all of his life. Can I say I'm really a follower of Jesus if I have this big area in my life that I go, man, I wanna follow him. Man, I wanna do Bible studies. I will go to church. I will sing. I will do all the parts. And then I come to this whole area and I go, you know, maybe one day, no, if, if I'm a follower of Jesus, and, and that's what it meant when he looked at the disciples, when he went to them and he said, follow me, it was this radical call of, come on, we're gonna go do life together. And from this point forward, you do what I do. You act like me. And, and so as followers of Jesus, he's our example. Look how Paul puts it, and he's talking about giving. When Paul's in the middle of teaching and giving, he says, but as you excel in everything, as you get better in all these different parts of your, your life, your practices, in your faith, in your speech, in your knowledge, in your earnestness, in, your, in all your love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. He's talking about giving here. He says, you wanna get excellent at this. You wanna get really good at this. I say this not as a command, but to but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. And then look what he calls us to. If you're gonna get excellent, who's your example? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you by this poverty might become rich. He says, hey, if you're gonna get excellent, you have no greater example than your savior who was willing to embrace poverty even so that we could experience his riches. 
And, and so just at a fundamental level, I, I would just encourage you and challenge you. And, and maybe here's a great question for you on this, because you might be here and you go, man, oh, Tim, I, I've tithed for years and I'm a giver. I just, are you excelling? Have you ever stopped and just asked yourself, man, am I growing in this discipline like I would other spiritual disciplines? Man, do, do, do I treat this like a spiritual practice or do I kind of treat it like medicine? Take your medicine, you got to give. You got to do that part. Paul goes, oh man, don't treat it that way. This should be something you want to grow in. You are growing in because of the example of Jesus. Second reason is obedience. As followers of Jesus, we want to do what he commands. Not suggest, he commands. And again, his commandments, and, and I'll say this, it doesn't matter what his commandment, what category. It may be around your money. It may be around your sex life. It may be how you treat others. It may be based on your work. Just mark this down. Every time God gives us a command, it's always for our good. It's always so that we can experience life more. He's never holding out on us as the designer of life, as the one who sees life, as the one who has the big picture perspective on eternity and he knows how the whole thing works, he knows how you were designed, he knows how the whole thing's gonna play out. When he gives a command about anything, especially when it gets something temporal like money like this, we should pay attention to it because it's always for our good. That's why he says in Matthew 6, he says, don't lay up for yourselves, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He knows us and he knows how the whole thing plays. Look, look, look at the two sides of it. Because he's outside of time and space, because he can see the whole story, when he's coming in and he's telling you, hey, let me just give you some wisdom as an investor. Wouldn't you love to be able to go to a financial planner today who actually could tell you exactly what's gonna happen over the next 10 years? What if I came back, if, if I was able to go back in time just a few years ago and we're sitting maybe having a cup of coffee and, and you go, man, I am so excited. I just, I'm gonna push all my money into crypto, into FTX. There's this guy, Sam Bankman Freed. He's got all these connections. And I'm like, ooh, wait a second. You sure you want to do that? Oh, yeah. Tom Brady's in it. <laughs> Steph, all the celebs. I mean, this thing's a slam dunk. And if I looked at you and knowing, because see, I see the big picture. If I knew what's coming in the next few years, if I looked at you, I would say it is as strong a terms. I'd look at you and go, do not invest there. Do not invest there. Trust me. This is not gonna play out well. Now, am I doing that? Because I wanna put a guilt trip on you. Am I doing that? Because, man, I'm just trying to control you. No, I'm doing that because I actually love you. I care about you. And I know how the story plays out. See, Jesus, in, in these terms, when he's strong like this, he says, don't lay that up. Don't do, why? Because he knows the whole story, guys. He knows how this whole thing plays out. And he also knows how we're wired, that our hearts go with our money. 
He, he knows that that's one of the reasons, even as we're talking about it today, some of you, you are so tight. You're just like, oh, I don't like talking about it. You know why? Because your heart's connected to it. It's just proving that that's an internal wiring with that. And so Jesus, because he knows these things, he's willing to command these things. That's why the church commands. That's why Paul says, and he's speaking to those who are rich. He says, they're to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is, and I love that Paul puts it this way, so that you can actually experience what's truly life. Remember we said the whole thing is, Jesus is telling us, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, I'm the one who, who came to give you abundant life. And Paul goes, hey, if you actually wanna grab that life now, if you actually wanna experience abundant life now, what's truly life now, you don't have to just wait till you die one day and you get to go to heaven and experience all those great things there. He goes, you wanna experience true life now? Be generous, give, be a part of those things that will bless in that. Invest in people and eternity. Because this is how the big picture both plays out in time, but also plays out in your heart. And, and so again, I'll just ask you directly. I mean, as you think about the example of Jesus, but you think about the commands of scripture, there's a place to just look at it and go, am I obedient with this area of my life? And do I treat it as a matter of obedience as much as I would any other areas? You know, we're pretty quick in, in church to, to really point out and call people to obedience in a lot of things. And then some categories we kind of go, hey, hope you get it one day. Good luck with that because I think we're so scared to actually step into it. And, and this is this place, I think there's just a, a fundamental place where you should look at it and go, man, am I really being obedient? And, and here's, here's the easiest way, easiest way if you wanna check that, get alone and ask God. Just ask him. Maybe spend some time going through his word and go, what does the Bible say? Maybe go back through that series and go, what did the Bible say on these things? And just do an honest evaluation. If I'm a follower of Jesus, am I obedient in this area? The third reason is protection. As followers of Jesus, we listen to his warnings about money. He's warning us. He doesn't want you to miss out on life. Right after he says that your heart goes with your money, it's interesting. He immediately goes into this passage. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light uh, in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, it's kind of a strange verse here because he's teaching on money and he's gonna go back to money. But he put this whole thing about if your eye's dark and what's going on, what is Jesus doing here? Some commentators almost treat it like he got off point, you know, like he got distracted and started talking about that. No, 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 Jesus always knows exactly what he's doing. Here's what he's teaching here. This is an ancient way of saying a modern term. In our term, we call this a blind spot. Jesus is saying, hey, when it comes to this whole area of money, if your eye has a blind spot, if you don't see it right, it impacts everything in you. And he's talking to this audience who thought they had this issue completely down because they were so fine tooth comb, they were keeping the law in different ways. And he looks at him and he goes, mm, 
you guys actually have a blind spot on this. And at the core, here's what's going on. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Here's here's the, the blind spot. Money has this gravitational pull in a way that you may not even realize it. You've made it the master more than anything else in your life. You've made it a center point more than anything else in your life. And it's fascinating to me out of everything he could have said there, because you could have said, man, you can't serve God in sex. You really can't. And some people do struggle with sex becomes the center of their life. Can't serve God in power. You can't serve, you could put all these different things, but he's speaking. And I think the universal problem that most of us struggle with when it comes down to who's really going to be my master, money is so deceptive because money is the thing that we think if I have enough of it, I can control my life. And it's what empowers me. And so ultimately my chase for money in a lot of ways is how do I stay in control instead of really having to trust God with it. And and the struggle with that, and the reason I say that he's saying it for our warning is money can't deliver. You know, when I went through that series, it it was interesting. We look at the, the growth financially in the U.S. This is from 1990 to today. These are adjusted dollars, by the way. We've just gotten wealthier. It's not that, oh man, inflation's done it. With adjusted dollars, this is, this, uh, look at this, it's upward. And so today it's about 68,000 is a general with that. Median household income compared to about 30,000. We've gotten wealthier as a nation. A lot has happened within the markets, within technology. These aren't bad things. You would think though, man, if money delivers, we should be the happiest nation in the world. Look what's happened to American happiness since 1990. every, Every indicator goes down. Now you go, oh, is it just a one-to-one? No, money's not the only thing that impacts happiness. But if money solved happiness, shouldn't it be making a dent in that? The, the, the problem, and, and taught on this before, you can get a rush of money, it's just our brains adjust to it. They call it the hedonic treadmill. And so, so like if I won the lottery today, it'd be a miracle because I did not buy a ticket. But if I won the lottery today, <laughs> And, and let's say, you know, $10 million again, man, I'm going to have a rush. I promise you that my happiness meter is going to spike. The problem is it spikes for everybody. It doesn't last. Your brain adjusts to it. And so whatever the new normal is, if you're struggling with unhappiness, it goes right to it. It's just your brain was not designed to be satisfied from getting. Let me say that again. The creator of your brain did not make you in a way that you can ever get enough that it's satisfying. Every scientific study, social studies, all all the studies around happiness is one of the universal things that come through that. And so when, when God looks at you and he says, hey, don't make money your master. Don't make it that blind spot with it. And one of the challenges that comes out of it When Jesus says, he says, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The the warning here 
And, and I think the two go hand in hand. The reason, God's not against rich people. It's not like, oh, God doesn't want rich people in heaven. Here's his warning. Remember, it goes back to money is that deceptive thing that makes me think I'm in control. And I can take care of my life. And Jesus is just honest. And actually, the numbers play out if you look at it worldwide. The wealthier people are. They, they don't have a need in a way. Well, I, I don't really need God. I can take care of me. And you can actually make this side of eternity great enough that you don't think about it in the same way. It's, it's interesting. The same time in the United States when the median income went up, you remember that chart to the, up and to the right? Look what's happened as far as growth of religiously unaffiliated. These are people who've walked away from any religion. And if you laid the two charts over each other from 1990 to today, it almost matches exactly what happened in the growth of wealth as well. With all the issues we have going on in our country, could it be at the core that we've been blessed with such a level of prosperity? More and more people could look at it and go, I don't think I really need God. Could that be why Jesus and scripture warns over and over again? Don't, don't get caught up in that. Don't walk away in that. That's why the writer of Hebrews, I love this verse. He says, keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For as he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What's the core reason? I don't have to make money my master. I have a God who's promised me. I'll never leave you guys. I'll be with you no matter what you face. And I wanna protect you from deceiving yourself and not experiencing that. Final reason is blessing. As followers of Jesus, we wanna experience all that he wants to give us. Remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it's more blessed to give than receive. It's more blessed to give and receive. You know, I told you all the scientific studies about getting and how it doesn't last. You know what's fascinating? All the scientific studies about giving, it's the exact opposite. What happens in your brain when you give? Man, they, they, they talk about all the different ways. It's better for your health. It's better for happiness. They've done so many different happiness studies. One of the ones I love is they took different groups and they would give them anywhere from five to $20 and they go, hey, go out tomorrow. Sometimes they would let people choose on their own. Sometimes they told the people, go use the money on yourself. Sometimes they tell them, no, you look for ways to give the money away tomorrow. In study after study after study, over time after time after time, Every single time, the people that spent it on themselves were never as happy as the people that gave it away. Because maybe your brain was wired that way. Maybe you were created that way. That warm glow that you feel, you ever felt that like when you give something, you give a gift, you give something away, you, you, you made a difference with it. You, we always talk about, man, there's that warm glow. Do you know body temperature actually does rise? Your body actually responds to it. And here was the fascinating part. Unlike the hedonic treadmill, when I get a bunch of money, if I won the lottery, my brain gets used to it and it gets old. Your brain never gets used to giving money away. It always feels new. You were made to give, not to get. Because remember, we were created in the image of a God who gives. So of course it works that way. Of course the science is gonna confirm what we know to be true. 
And Jesus says, I don't want you to miss out on the blessing of it. That's why when he tells us, give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, will there be measure back to you? He says, I don't want you to miss out. And he's using this image. When they went to buy grain, you would take a container. And so when you got the grain, they would fill it up with it. Now, a generous seller, someone who wanted to bless you, they didn't just scoop out the grain and hand it over. They knew there was space there. So, so they would scoop the grain and then they'd press the grain down and then they'd shake the container. Come on, let's get it settled down. And then they'd take a scoop and they would pour it back on top of it. So let's fill it back up. Man, I want you to get all that you can get out of this. And, and then ultimately, if there's a really generous vendor, they would ask you to take, take your, your skirt or your robe and put it up under the container because I'm gonna pour so much in it it's not just gonna fill the container, it's gonna, you're gonna carry some out in your lap as well. And Jesus says, this is what God wants for you when it comes to this area. Now hear me, some people teach this, they go, man, you give and God's gonna give you all this money back. I've heard stories, sometimes God does do that. He financially blesses people. But the blessing out of this is so much more than being limited to money. Remember, we're talking about he wants you to experience all of life. He wants you to experience the spiritual life that comes out of giving. He wants you to experience the emotional life that comes out. He wants you to experience your character change that comes out of giving. He wants you to experience the eternal rewards that comes out of giving. There's all these things that come out of it. But here's the thing more than anything, he wants to bless you. And this is one of the number one areas where by faith, when we go, okay, God, I'm gonna trust you with it. And he goes, oh, you, you haven't even seen. Come on, let me press down the blessings because I got more. Let me shake it. Come on, you, you can hold more than that. Let me pour some more on top. Hey, hey, get, get, get your hands out. Get your skirt out. Get your robe out. It's gonna overflow in your life. But you gotta trust me and believe that I wanna do this. See, the, the blessings that we have in being a part of this are unbelievable. And, and, you know, this weekend, I was thinking about this weekend. Here's why I love being a part of a church that just loves giving outward. We love giving away. We do outreach. We do local. We do global. And so I was just thinking, just this weekend, look at it on the screen. We, we can see with, it, with the, the pictures from yesterday. If we can see the pictures from yesterday with it. Yeah, these are venture people out in the Rose Garden, just kind of move through that, of walking around through there and, and venture members who just, here's what they did. They gave away hours. Walk up and there's people on their hands and knees, they're pulling weeds, you can move through that. Then over at Teen Challenge, that was awesome if you were there. Just taking a house for women and children who are women who want to go through treatment and they're able to stay with their kids. You can move through the picture with that. Yeah, and we had venture members all over the house and they're out there right now today finishing out this project. Friday night I had the opportunity. One of our, our India partners, Saji John and his son Ben, they were in town and just hearing what they're doing in India. And there was a group of us that we were able to pray over Saji and Ben and to hear what they're facing in India right now to hear the persecution, to hear somebody like Saji, who's doing unbelievable work of rescuing women and children, but when he describes that he just got off a house arrest because of the persecution. 
And then to hear his commitment, man, our window may be closing. And so we want to flood India with Bibles. And we've ramped up production of it, 700,000 Bibles. And we want to build a new center for women and children in that. And to know that we get to be a part of it. And, and, and when I say that, you, you, there's thousands of kids they're helping. Sometimes you need one face that you connect with it. I want you to watch. This is one of the stories of one of the young women that are part of Saji's program and what God's doing through that and what we get to be a part of through that. Let's watch this together. Yeah. I love, I love her smile. I, I love, I, I just love stories like that because I know it's multiplied by thousands in a place that desperately needs it. And, and you know what I love about it? And guys, this is just one weekend here at Venture. And, and what we've realized, we get to hear these stories all the time. We're seeing them. And so one of our commitments is we want to constantly tell you about what's going on here. We want to constantly tell you what you're investing in, what you're doing, because it's changing lives. It's making a difference. And it's that, that blessing that overflows in our lap that we get to be a part of it. Now, as we do that, and, and I want to just take a few minutes because we've been really evaluating just even the model of how we go about it. I'm, I'm going to close out and give you some practical ways of how you put this in action. But I, I want to talk to you about as a church, how we've been evaluating as an elder board, as a team with that, especially when it comes to our outreach and our, our giving outward, because this is such a growing part of our church. And yet we've been looking at it, our model of doing it is not as effective as it used to be. And here's what I mean. I'm talking about our fundraising model. I'm not talking about our output. Our output's actually growing and we wanna to continue to do that. But I am talking about the input in that. And so up, if you've been a part of Venture with that, you know that usually in the fall we do, we take several weeks, we do a, what we call a faith promise campaign. And this is a method of funding missions that a lot of churches do around the country. It started about a hundred years ago. There was a guy named Oswald Smith in the People's Church in Toronto and who really taught this and, and did it and we've done it effectively, but it's a method of doing that. Some churches, they just have a collective fund. Some churches just make it part of their core budget. There's no one set way you have to do that. But here's what we found and here's the challenge with it because we come into the fall, we call people, make a commitment card, we turn in the card and then we build our missions budget based on what's turned in. Over the last several years, the amount turned in just keeps going down and down and down. And the card, and so then we do the campaign and the different parts of it. Now, that's the hard part of it. Here's the great news. The giving doesn't go down. So you guys are still giving, everybody gives to it, but it creates this disparity because as we work with our mission teams and our partners, we build our budget for it based on what was committed. So we go, hey, by faith, we ask you to make a commitment. Then we look at that total and then we build the budget for it. And then we kind of look at it and, and what's happening the last few years is about halfway through the year, we hit this point where we go, man, it's gonna be more than that. So we gotta rebudget. The partners out there are re-trying to figure out what they're doing out of it. It's not a very proactive way of approaching it. And it's actually limiting to what we wanna do in some of these regions and projects and other things. And, and as we've looked at it, we went, man, it was a great method for its time. I, I started asking around other churches. I knew partner churches here in the area and others. I'm like, have you guys felt this? And, and a couple of them were like, oh yeah, we had the exact same thing. And so I said, what'd you do? And they go, we just got rid of the cards. It's like, oh, you don't do the, the campaign card? And I go, nope. I said, well, how do you set it? 
We just believe whatever they did last year, they'll do again. They go, oh, that's a faith step. And, and, and here's what we realize. We think God's calling us as a church to make the faith step, not just asking people to make individual faith steps. And so we're changing the model. We're not changing the purpose. We're not changing what we want to give. We want to keep growing in what we're doing outwardly. But instead of waiting till the fall and we'll do that one commitment time and call you to that with the cards, we're by faith. In fact, tomorrow night, our missions teams, they're getting together. They've been working on their budgets proactively for this next fiscal year. And we've, we've said, hey, you guys go for it. Because we believe venture's gonna give and we're gonna keep. And so if you're here today and you go, man, if you're changing, what does that mean? If you're like me, I give general fund and then Lee and I, we give to Faith Promise. You just, it'll keep going just like it was. So you don't have to go out and change anything. We're gonna keep in that. If you look at it, we're gonna keep giving outwardly the way we did. But here's what it'll force us in a good way, I think. Instead of making this this one time a year, instead of asking you to make a faith promise commitment, we're making a faith promise commitment as a church collectively now. And we're going, let's go for it because we believe you guys are so passionate about it. You're gonna give to it. You're gonna give to outreach and mission. You always have, that's been your heart. Instead of just waiting to that one time a year and asking you to evaluate what God's doing with your finances, we believe this needs to be a drumbeat that we're talking about like this and messages all throughout the year of what is God doing in your heart when it comes to generosity? Instead of just waiting and using, and, and maybe you feel this, we kind of wait for that month or that five weeks and we use all our great stories and all our great videos. You need to be hearing about it all the time because God's doing stuff all the time. Yeah. And so as we do that, the heartbeat of it, we believe your heart actually will grow for the world. You know why I say that? Because your heart follows your money. And as we keep giving to it and committing to it, we think God's gonna grow that. Now, if, if you've been part, maybe you go, man, I've been longtime faith promising that. We're not doing anything. I'm signaling the turn of what's coming now because I want you guys fully informed. If you have questions about that, we can answer it. Um, right now, all you know, if you're giving to it like I'm doing, I know it's going in and I know it's going out and we'll continue to do that. But sometimes you hit a place where you go, man, if this model's not serving what we need to do, we need to look at the model because we'll never stop what God's called us to do in these areas. As we finish, let me just tell you, how do you get in the game? How do you take what we've just talked about collectively, how do you do this personally? One, you've got to make generosity and giving a priority. And what I mean in that is give what's best instead of what's left. Most people, when they come to giving, they wait till they've paid everything else and then I'll see what's left at the end of the month. And it's amazing, more months than not, there's nothing left. And it'll never be a priority. And so if, if you want to be generous, like Jesus was generous, it goes to the front of the line. That's why Proverbs says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits. So you, can't, you sit down and instead of waiting and going, man, I did all these other things, I just go, okay, God, what, what are you calling me to give first? First. Secondly, you gotta get a plan. It should be proactive and regular instead of reactive and sporadic. It's proactive and regular. It's, it's not... And, and it, I taught you this when we went through the generosity series. Most people in America love sporadic giving. 
We see something on TV. Oh man, oh man, that moves my heart. I see somebody, I give it sporadically. And, and again, I love sporadic giving. I love carrying around some cash sometimes so I can give and help people with that. Sporadic giving is a great thing. It's a terrible thing if it's your base giving. Because here's what you do when you're a sporadic giver. You convince yourself you're generous. And, and so you, you tell yourself, oh man, I, am I general? I, just the other day, I, I gave $20. And you're not really evaluating it according to the reality of what you have. And so I, I just say this unashamedly, you'll never be generous if you don't have a plan. And that you think about it proactively and you make it regular. That's what scripture teaches in that about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatians church on the first day of every week, each of one and one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. So you evaluate it based on what you have, saving it up so that when I come, the collections will have to be made. No collections will be made. Paul's just going, hey, do this in advance. And his, his challenge to them is, man, every week you just sit and you go based on what I have, what is my plan for giving? You have to have a plan. Third thing with it is change your mindset. Develop a get to attitude instead of a have to attitude. Get to instead of have to. That's why Paul says, the point is whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. It's the same thing Jesus was talking about. Man, if you wanna experience that overflowing bounty of the blessings that God wants to do in your life, this has to be a core thing that you go, man, I, I wanna sow, I wanna be a part of it. I wanna give to things like we saw on the screen. I wanna go serve on those days. I wanna be a part, because I wanna reap the blessing that my, I was wired to reap, because the designer made me that way. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. It's a heart issue, nobody can force this. That, that's why we, we, we're not gonna do a high guilt campaign. It just doesn't work over time. People resent it. And so this is you and God, you talk to God about it, not reluctantly or under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, if you think that's your out, because you're sitting here going, well, I'm not cheerful about it, so I guess I don't have to give. <laughs> that's not how it works. It's like anything else you do in your life. I have never experienced a runner's high. You ever heard that term, runner's high? Runner's my wife runs. I mean, and you know, she's like, oh man, yeah, you just, you don't know what it's like. It just does something in you. Guys, I do not run unless someone's chasing me. I mean, that just, it's not. So I've never experienced that. And frankly, to start it, it takes discipline and it won't feel good. I'm amazed, my boys, they love working out. They'll go to the gym. They'll get up at 4.45 to go to the gym before school. Now it's shocking the next day when you're trying to wake them up at 8 a.m. for class when they're not going to the gym. And it's like they have no ability to get out of bed. But they're going on their own. Why? Because they've done it enough that they go, man, this has captured me. And, and that's the same thing with giving. They'll be a part of it. It probably won't feel cheerful. Because remember, you're used to money being the master. And so when you wanna break that gravitational pull, you're gonna to have to apply that discipline. But this thing happens, and I promise, talk to anyone who's experienced this path of generosity. They will say, it transforms your heart and your life and your outlook like nothing else. And so you, you wanna change your mindset. 
Step out in faith, give up, give a sacrifice instead of out of surplus. You can kind of see the percentage about 10% of evangelicals give more than 8%. That's about the number. If you look about 42% give less than 2%. So it, we got work to do in this. And, and so as you look at it, you know, I, I won't go through the story. Probably the most convicting story for me is Jesus doesn't really care about amounts, but he does pay attention to percents. And he tells the story of the, the people that are dropping their coins in and the Pharisees would drop gold coins or different coins. They always made sure it made a lot of noise when they dropped it in. And here comes this little widow woman and all she has is about half a cent. She has the smallest coin that they minted, but it's all she owns. But she wanted to be a part. You ever been in a place, and I've not been in this place, when the only way you could give is you had to give everything. Can you imagine that decision? That's why this story, I never read the story without feeling conviction. But Jesus looks at it and he goes, oh man, yeah, I don't care about amounts. But boy, I get really excited when somebody sacrificed like that. And, and you just need to know as a pastor, as a staff, um, I, I, I feel the weight and, and we feel as a team, the weight of stewardship. Because some of you in this church, you give and you don't have much. And you do it out of sacrifice. And, and you don't do it for us, you do it because you have such a passionate heart for Jesus. And you wanna be a part of that. I think for all of us, I don't want you to miss out on, on the life that this brings. So if you look at your notes on all this, putting the practices into practice, I gave you some things for all the practices that you can do that we've done thus far. So read through those. We wanna make these habits of the heart with it. And for this one, on generosity, hey, here's what I'd ask. One, just sit down with God. Have you ever asked him, God, would you make me more generous? It's a dangerous prayer, by the way. It really is. But it's a great prayer. And so instead of just going in guilt, going, okay, God, I know I'm terrible with money and all the things that maybe you've done in the past. What if you started over with God and go, okay, God, I need a fresh start. Would you make me more generous? And then you're gonna have to get a plan. Because I can preach on this and preach on this and preach on this and you can make commitments and you can in your heart tell yourself, you will never be generous without a plan. Make a plan and make it specific. It, it, it could be as specific as I'm gonna start giving X. It could be as specific as I'm going to go serve on that, I'm, whatever. But I, plan way that you go, I'm going to do this and then put a stake in the ground by putting it in action this week. You go online, you go, that's the one thing I love about online giving. I can just put it in action. It goes, it goes, it goes. And now I'm a part of it. Or things that people, God's laid on my heart. Hey, you ought to support that. And I can think about it and think about it and it'll pass as opposed to going, oh, you know, I'm gonna sit down and write in the check today. I wanna be a part of that ministry. I wanna be a part of what God's doing in that place but put it in action today. 
Guys, we did a quick blitz, but hear me, hear me. As much as any of the practices we've talked about so far, if you're not willing to open this part of your heart, and God's not mad at you, God's not up there going, oh, I'm so needy, when will they give? But God's looking at you going, oh man, I wish they could experience all that comes in this part of life. I can't wait to pour on them the joy that comes to that. But they have to trust me and take these steps. Let's pray together. Father, we do come and we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you that this church is generous. Thank you for the people that step up. Thank you that we can show these videos and talk about these stories and go across town and transform centers because people here are captured by not only giving here, but they want us to give it away. They wanna be a part of that. Lord, I pray for anybody here today and, and maybe just even entering into this category scares them to death. Lord, I just pray more than anything, would they just get alone with you today and ask you, how could I be more generous, God? And take those next steps to experience the life that's only offered through Jesus Christ in whose name we pray, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.